Hello, our first Bible reading is from Psalm 40, which is on page 561 in the Black Bibles that are on the chairs. Psalm 41 to 8. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the merry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is he who makes the Lord his trust who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. And the second reading is from Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 1 to 18. And that's on page 1,209. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would not they have ceased to be offered? Since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired but a body you have prepared for me in burnt offerings and sin offerings. You have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. 
waiting from the time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness for us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. I better check I've done this. I think I've done it. I'm good. You can hear me. Welcome. Ah, oh, there we go. I can even hear myself. That's, that's not a nice sound. Um, my name is uh, Andy and uh, the pastor here. And it's, gosh, it is a delight to be together and uh, just a delight to pray, to sing and to hear from God's word. How about I just pray as we spend a moment refre- reflecting on this passage. Heavenly Father, What a joy it is to hear your very words this morning to us. And Father, what a joy and delight it is to know this truth that you want us to know and have crystal clear this morning. We pray, though, that you would take away the distractions that might cloud our heads, our minds, our hearts. And Father, we might, that you might work by your spirit so we would see, trust, believe and delight in this news that you have for us this morning. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I do want to say that we, we have a gem of a passage, and it's, uh, it's quite a wonderful passage because he really writes to make crystal clear for us one of the key fundamental blessings of Christianity. This is core to the Christian faith, of core to why Jesus came. That is, how can sinners be forgiven by God and made perfect in his sight? You'll see that in verse 14. This is the kind of a key verse I want us to look at here. Verse 14. Have your Bibles open. Have a look at it there with me. It says, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. See, there is such sharpness, clarity to how we can be forgiven once for all there. Now, I... I think I, I think I know that the reality is that for many of us, it's not always that clear for us. It's not always clear of how we can be forgiven and our own sense of our own forgiveness before God. Now, why is that? Why do you think that is? Let's go from the floor. Why, why do we, you know, why might we not have kind of that sense of our own forgiveness or might not be clear on forgiveness. Yeah, because we keep sinning. So there's this reality of sin in our life. And doesn't that reality, that just knowing that reality, doesn't that, and it can weigh us down, it can burden us, and we can feel this 
you know, this weight of guilt, of shame, that we just, you know, just the thought of it cripples us. We don't want anyone to know about it, and let alone not God. Yeah, why else? It's good. I like that one, Mary. Yeah, yeah, you see the impact and the effect on others. And uh, we feel the weight, the burn, yeah. Think so, Zoe? <laughs> I don't know whether God would define tickling as sin, but sometimes it is nice not to tickle, I agree. Any other thoughts, yeah? Yeah, so, um, well, the, the, the essence, the nature of forgiveness is it's, uh, there's hurt and pain that has to be dealt with. So we find it hard to offer that to others. Uh, and so we perhaps think maybe God finds it hard for us or perhaps we, we're not sure. So even though we feel that hard to offer it, yeah, it's helpful. Do you have something, Tom? Yeah, yep, yep. So there's a sense where when there's a wrong, there needs to be a punishment, needs to be dealt with. And if we don't feel that or know that, uh, then that, that kind of, there's, has that been dealt with and it's still, yeah, where is it? Um, other ones? Um, I have another one. Uh, I, I think sometimes we can be not clear what the Bible teaches on this. So if you're new to church or the things of God, uh, you might... Understand, well, hang on, don't Christians, claim to be Christians, teach different things on this matter around forgiveness and the nature of how we are forgiven? Uh, you know, for some, they claim that the, uh, it's about you kind of do different things to ensure forgiveness, confession, you know, Holy Communion, you know, you do your different rites. I remember when uh, my wife and I had our first baby, we went to the antenatal classes. We met a, a family that had twins. Um, uh, they invited us to their baptism of their twins and we were in Newcastle and they said come down to Sydney and you know we came down went to the service and we I asked the lady I said oh why why is it that you want to get your twins baptized now they weren't in church they didn't really go to church and she said to me well because I want to know that my kids are right with God I thought hmm, okay that's a good desire who's told you that this bit of water is going to change that. Um, interesting. You know, so there's that kind of teaching within church, but then there's also the teaching, uh, which is, you know, that God gives forgiveness. Uh, it's a done deal. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's not dependent on what you do and stuff. You, you can't secure it. Uh, so both teachings come from within the church. Which one is it? Um, but it also might be just grappling to kind of hold, how do we hold the Old Testament and the New Testament together? You know, it's just confusing. What? Sacrifices, offerings? Isn't this the same God that said this in the Old Testament? Now he's saying he doesn't desire it in verse 5. How do we kind of, you know, does he accept or does he not accept these things? I think there's all sorts of things that cloud our forgiveness uh, and that can take away our sharpness, but God wants us to have crystal clear clarity on this topic. He really does. And so I want to ask you this morning, 
Are you forgiven by God? Are you right here clear that you are forgiven by God? See, I do think it is possible for us to turn up to church week in, week out, read the Bible, do stuff, and think, oh yeah, that means I am forgiven. But then when you reflect on yourself and you think, actually, when push turns to shove, I'm not confident. I don't know if I have forgiveness. Can I say, do not let that be you. (laughs) Have a listen to what Hebrews 10 really wants to persuade us of. I think the forgiveness of sin is the central key blessing that Jesus offers. And I think and I believe that once you grasp that, it will radically change your life. It will transform you to know that God accepts you for who you are and that's 100% totally done in the Lord Jesus. And it will be an anchor for our soul, something we can hold fast to. That's the aim this morning, to get clear on the nature of forgiveness. How I want to do that is look at the negative lesson, a positive lesson, and then look at some implications. Okay, The negative lesson, verses 1 to 4. The way we can't get forgiveness is through the Old Testament law and sacrifices. Now, if you've been with us, he's been arguing this the whole way through since chapter 8, really. So have a look at verse 1. He says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. See, he's been arguing this since chapter 8 because he's at pains to point out that this Old Testament law, its rituals, its sacrifices, it cannot bring forgiveness. Now, he doesn't want to say it's useless, uh, but that it was never intended to cleanse sinners. It's just a shadow and it's a preview of the good things to come. See, the language he's using here is not of forgiveness, but of perfection. See, perfection is not able, the law was never able to perfect those who draw near to God. Now, perfected here is it's more than just faultless. Uh, it's actually kind of, you know, complete. Uh, it's uh, adequate, reaching the point at which you need to be in to be ready. And so, it's like the, um, you know, it's like Ratch is doing his marathon training to run the half marathon. Easy perf- perfection yet for that, Ratch? No, he's got his head down. No, but we hope by the time the, the, the race comes that he will be perfected to be able to finish that race. See, friends, why can't the Old Testament law make us complete, perfect us to be able to draw near to God? Well, he tells us, verse 4, have a look there. He says, because it's impossible for blood and bulls of goats to take away sins. So he's just saying sacrifices of animals don't fully and finally deal with our sins. They're only ever a shadow. And he goes and says, the fact that these sacrifices had to continue is proof that it didn't work to cleanse us of our sin. Uh, His point is that actually it had the purpose just to remind us of our sin. Have a look in verse 2 there. He says, they'll never be able to perfect, otherwise they would not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any conscience of sins. But these sacrifices are there as a reminder of sins every year. You get the problem? Problems of bulls and goats, they're not able to perfect us to draw near to God because it didn't cleanse us from our sin, 
from our guilt, from our shame. It did have the purpose in God's to remind us of our need to be cleansed, of our need for forgiveness. Um, it's kind of operating like a, you know, like a mirror does, where it kind of shows your dirtiness. You know, kids, our kids come in and they're just dirty. I don't know how they can possibly get dirty so much. But, you know, they come in and say, you're filthy, go have a shower. They just, they're like, what? They're just ignorant of it. So what do you do? You go have a look in the mirror and they look in the mirror and they're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> there's stuff everywhere or whatever. That's what the Old Testament does. You, you see from the law, the sacrifices, that you're reminded time and time again that you need forgiving, that you're a sinner. Now, the original hearers, they really need to hear this. They're tempted, as you know, under pressure to turn away from Jesus and go back to the Old Testament sacrifices. You know, surely it was easier that way, surely it worked. And the author wants to say, no, never worked. It never took away sins. It didn't deal with it. Now, I assume that we're not thinking of finding some goats and bulls, but it does really speak into something about other religions here, doesn't it? Because given that God's, the, the Old Testament, the shadow, the God-given religion didn't adequately deal with our sin, what hope has any other religion have? What other, what other hope does any other man-made religion? See, the, the purpose of the Jewish religion was not to bring about full forgiveness, but to be a negative lesson for us to learn from, so that you would learn that religion rituals, sacrifices, can't forgive us. It cannot perfect us. But the reality is, I think, for many of us, we hope or we like to think they can, don't we? It is interesting that we, um, we live with our own lives, a sense of guilt and shame, don't we? We just have that sense of you know, the relationship that you said something that you ought not to have or, you know, that family member that you haven't spoken to in years. And people go to great lengths to try and make ourselves acceptable to God. And often they go to other religious sacrifices. Uh, and it's like, like the Old Testament approach. You know, so there's sacrifices, prayers, fastings, mass, pilgrimage to the Holy Land, uh, you know, wa washing in a particular river to be cleansed. Uh, these are all ways of endlessly trying to deal with the guilt within. But they never get the job done. They never make you fit for God. And he wants to say, don't look to these. Don't look there. We have the whole experience of the Old Testament, the negative lesson, learn from that. It can never bring us forgiveness. So then he goes on to the positive lesson. Uh, and really, he, he spends verses 5 to 18 kind of explaining this. He does a whole bunch of comparisons. We don't have enough time to go through all of them. I want to quickly jump through a few and then think of some implications. So he says, the positive lesson is, Jesus brings a once-for-all forgiveness. It's a once-for-all sacrifice that brings a once-for-all forgiveness for us. It's a done deal for us. See, God knows the problem we all have. You know what I mean? Like, he knows our sin in our heart. And he set the Old Testament up to plan and then the, would fulfill in Jesus. It was his will to bring this about. Have a look at verse 5. It says, consequently, that is because, you know, the Old Testament law and sacrifices don't work. When Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you take, 
you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do, do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. See, what's he saying there? He's saying, Jesus, on Jesus' lips are the words originally spoken by King David many years before. And of Jesus, he's saying, I haven't come into the world in a bodily form to do Old Testament sacrifices. I haven't come to be a priest in a temple, but I've come to offer my body, myself. See, sacrifice and offerings is not the shape and relationship that God wanted. God wanted to bring a once-for-all cleansing for us so that we could all draw near with a clear conscience and confidence. And when Jesus rocked up 2,000 years ago, he brought that in. He ushered in this time. Jesus came to do the will of his Father perfectly, to be in his body and be the perfect sacrifice that he made us perfect forever. So verse 10, through Jesus and by his will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. See, this might be the hundredth, thousandth time you've heard this news, but isn't it just wonderful? By the single sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, he made us holy. He set us apart. He cleansed us to be fit for God. All sins completely dealt with. All sins, past, present, future. All wiped clean. If you trust in his death in your part, you are safe and secure. You have been forgiven. Now, he really kind of impresses this truth on us by making a bunch of contrasts for us uh, and to show us that Jesus truly has dealt with sin once for all. And so you get this contrast between the animal offerings of bulls and goats and Jesus' offering of his own body, the perfect substitution to stand in our place. And you get another contrast. Not, you know, it's not like he had to repeat this sacrifice again and again like the Old Testament sacrifices year after year, again and again. No, Jesus' sacrifice is a once-for-all offering, a once-for-all sacrifice. And, like we got in the kids' talk, unlike the priests who are continually, day after day, standing, because their job is never done, Jesus' job is complete. He sits down as our high priest. It's done and dusted. There's nothing left for him to do. No more past, present, future sins to deal with. He's seated at the right hand of God. And so verse 14, our key verse, for by a single offering he has made perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Perfect forever. Today and for all eternity. Now, we all know that we're not faultless, right? We all, you know, Aussies, we love to say no one's perfect. Um, but the key idea that he's getting at here is when it comes to approaching God, when it comes uh, to drawing near to God and thinking about your forgiveness, you, if you trust in Jesus' sacrifice, you are made perfect. You are qualified. You are fit for that relationship. You've been forgiven. You've been washed and cleansed and you're safe and secure in that. Now he wants to put the final nail in the coffin uh, of the positive lesson in verses 15 to 18. And he wants to be clear. This has always been God's plan, right from the beginning. You know, he didn't kind of swap plans between the Old Testament and New Testament. You know, it's not like he thought, okay, I'm going to give the sacrificial kind of 
that approach a go and see how it goes, and then after a few thousand years go, oh, this isn't really working. This uh, problem's worse than I thought. I'm going to come up with plan B and bring on Jesus. No, he always intended for Jesus to bring in that new covenant. It was promised back in Jeremiah 31, which we're kind of concluding from chapter 8 where we began this little, this, his little section. But Jesus brings in this new co- covenant. Finally, decisively, Jesus' sacrifice, it eradicates sins once for all. Jesus has got the job done. And so profound as we reflect on when we went through chapter 8 that this law is now no longer a mirror that condemns us. It's actually now, through the work of the Spirit, written on our hearts. So that instead of feeling guilty and anxious about our sin, we know that God's forgiven it. And from our heart, we want to obey God's law. All on the basis that of forgiveness, verse 17, where he says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Friends, this is the greatest blessing there is to know. Forgiveness of sins. The Bible is at great pains to show us, to show you, that you can have your sins forgiven. Why? Because Jesus once for all sacrificed on the cross. He died as the great high priest. He sacrificed himself for us so that we can sit here and be confident and assured of the forgiveness that he brings and that we can live in the reality of our body and sinful and sin and know that he doesn't cut us off. He's forgiven us. Now that's the positive lesson. We've had the negative and the positive. And I want to ask you, do you know your position before God? Do you know you have your sins forgiven? Or to use the language of verse 1 and 14, have you been made perfect for relationship with God? Yes, though you're a sinner, though you struggle, you know that because of Jesus, your sins are forgiven and he doesn't hold any of that against you. There's two implications I want to finish for us and they're just awesome. The first thing is, we don't need a priest to offer sacrifices for our sins. I'm not your priest. Jesus is your priest. We don't need someone to again and again um, hold up a sacrifice and we don't need to come to it in confessional. You know, the Orthodox and Roman Catholic, they offer the Mass as a sacrifice for sins. They, it, they hold it up and uh, it re-sacrificed the body and blood of Christ. Friends, can I say that that idea is just absolutely at odds with this once-for-all finished work that Jesus has won for us. It's not to be repeated. And the reality is the, the, the practice of going you know, to a priest to receive forgiveness and confess your sins actually leaves us more uncertain and more insecure and unsure. Jesus came in a human body and gave himself as our great high priest so that you and I can know today that we can be forgiven, that we can have complete forgiveness now and forever in Jesus. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he's he's a pastor. He used to ask people, are you a Christian? Uh, And, you know, sometimes you'd get the response, which I have, is, I'm trying. And he would say, 
Or in other words, you have no understanding of what a Christian is. Now, he's a, he's a bit blunt and bold than I am. But you get what he's saying? If a person is still trying to be a Christian, if you're still trying to earn forgiveness, you know, and you're caught up with what you do, you've mis- totally misunderstood the heart of Christianity. Being a Christian is about trusting in the once-for-all sacrifice Jesus offered for you. That forgiveness that brings the infinite cost of God to assure your forgiveness. Now, if you are here and you still think, oh, I don't know, I still think I have to do something, chat to me afterwards. Chat to someone here who would say they're a Christian, they trust in Jesus' blood. Come along to life, explore it more with us. See, the question isn't, what do I have to do to get forgiveness? But actually, am I trusting in Jesus' sacrifice? And then rather than feel the weight and the guilt and the burden, you could celebrate Jesus' death in remembrance that he willingly died for you once for all. It was fully and completely perfected you. Secondly, I think a more common reason, which we we raised at the start, is that we are very conscious of our sin. You know, we feel the weight and the burden and we carry around. And the Bible is clear uh, that if you trust Jesus, your sins have been completely wiped clean. But that doesn't mean for us that we don't sin. We still do. And that we sin doesn't mean you're not forgiven. See, Now God writes his laws on your hearts and now, actually, we desire to please God. He's worked a complete radical change in our hearts, yet we still live day by day carrying around our sinful nature. And can I tell you, that's going to be the reality till Jesus returns or you go home to be with him. Uh, The great reformer Martin Luther said, Christians are simultaneously righteous and sinners. We're both righteous and at the same time as we're sinners. We're perfect in God's sight, yet we're still sinning. So to someone who's trusting in Jesus, carrying around your sins like a heavy burden, conscious and plagued by guilt, don't be fearful that God will accept you. Verse 17, he says, I will remember your sins and lawless deeds no more. You don't need to carry that around. Now, does that mean we won't ever feel guilty as Christians? No, no. I think it would be weird if we didn't feel guilty when we displease our Heavenly Father. Uh, But it does mean that we know we can have assurance that we are forgiven when we come to Him. It's not a kind of, am I in or out of the family question? It's actually, no, I know He's forgiven me. I mean, please help me to live for you. Now, it might be that you're here and you still haven't totally got this forgiveness Jesus offers. I have a book. Has anyone read The Pilgrim's Progress? Um, this, if, this is a wonderful book. Uh, and it's, uh, it's really an, an analogy of a Christian life, right? Uh, and the main character, uh, his name's Christian, uh, and he lives in the city of destruction, and he hears a message of uh, judgment on him and his wicked deeds, and so he goes on the journey to the celestial city to find forgiveness. And as he heads on this journey, he gets this burden on his back and it grows on him. It weighs him down. He becomes more and more aware of his sin, his guilt and his shame uh, before God. And, but then there's a moment where 
it gets removed. And I want to read that for us because I think it just captures just, just the delight and the joy of what it means when you actually realise what Jesus has done. Okay, you with me? Now I saw in my dream that the highway up which Christian was to go was fenced on either side with a wall and that wall is called salvation. Up this way therefore did burden Christian run. Not without great difficulty but because of the load on his back. He ran thus till he came to a place somewhat ascending. Upon that place stood a cross and a little below in the bottom a tomb. And so in my dream I saw that Christian came up to the cross and his burden loosened from his shoulders and it fell from off his back and began to tumble and so continued to do so till it came into the mouth of the tomb where it fell in and I saw it no more. Then Christian glad and lightsome and said with a merry heart, he hath given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. Uh, he then, there's a bit of a, I'm going to skip a bit, and then he gave three leaps of joy and went on singing. This is his response as he sees Jesus at the cross. Thus far did I come laden with my sin, nor could aught ease the grief that I was in, till I came here. What a place as this! Must here be the beginning of my bliss? Must hear the burden fall from off my back. Must hear the strings that bound it to me crack. Blessed cross, blessed tomb. Blessed rather be the man that was put to shame for me. I don't know if you got that. It's a powerful moment as you've been working through, as he's working on his journey. And it's that response. And I want to ask you, do you have you had that response? that response of joy. Do you know that experience of your sins being taken off your back as you look to Jesus on the cross? Have you felt your burden lifted and rolled into the tomb? This is the blessing that Jesus brings. And if you don't know this, can I urge you to know it today? If you already trust in Jesus, can I say just rejoice and delight in that great news of your forgiveness sins? Know that you can approach God with confidence. And friends, when Satan does tempt you, when the trials do come, know that Jesus has shed his own blood for your soul. Uh, The song that kept coming up was, It Is Well With My Soul. We're going to sing it straight after this this time now, in a moment. Uh, But there's a a verse that says, um, All my sin, not in part but the whole, was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. It is well, it is well with my soul. Friends, doesn't this news just make you want to burst with joy? I don't know. It does for me. I love it. Um, And we're going to sing together in a moment, is well in the soul. But how about I just pray as we finish up? Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful and thankful for your forgiveness that you offer us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus and his sacrifice once for all that bought at such a great price that forgiveness. It's sufficient for every past, present and future sin. Father, may the burden as we look to Jesus roll off our backs, as we look to his once for our sacrifice and may we live as those who are forgiven, that we would know the joy, the delight and that we would praise you
while we wait, while we struggle with sin, but Father, we pray that we'd be clear that we do not, we have our sins forgiven. And Father, I pray that this would help us all our days. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.